The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. I've got Matt Santil with us today. He is the founder and the CEO of Cybersecurity Services. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. It's an honor to be here. So it's an honor to have you because I know we've worked together on several things over the last several years, and I know a lot of your story. I don't know the entire story, but I'd like to hear a little bit about how you got started in cybersecurity and then how you migrated over to starting your own business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let me, uh, I think if I'm going to think about when I first got into information security, it would have been back in 97, 98. Now, not as a career. I was a teenager at that time. Um, but um, my social life revolved around the internet. So um, this was before social media. Uh, this was before even AOL Instant Messenger. You know, it started coming out around roughly the same time, but not a lot of people, you know, we weren't really using it. It was IRC. So I spent um, a lot of time in the IRC channels, talking to people from around the world. And I you know, I just found it fantastic that I could chat with all these people. Um, in doing so, you run into some mischievous characters. So, <laughs> this um, is true. So, yeah. So my first experience and uh, my first interest in cybersecurity came when uh, one day I turned on my computer, went to go join the IRC chats like I normally did. And uh, my CD-ROM drive kept opening and shutting over and over and over and it happened you mean you mean the coffee holder right yeah coffee holder yeah, <laughs> yeah. and at that time when i when when the cd-rom drive would open it would you know the machine would be like really slow so mm -hmm. um i just thought there was something wrong with my computer so i rebooted you know and i joined back in uh and this was this probably went on for weeks and i thought well i'm just gonna have to get a new computer um and then uh, someone that I was chatting with in the forum sent me a message and said, hey, is there something funny going on with your computer? And I thought, that is you. you you're pranking me here. You're doing some kind of trick here. And, and then I talked to him for a while and he, uh, you know, he explained you know, what he did and what programs he used. And so that was like the early days of the, uh, the script kiddies, uh, you know, what people like to call them. They, not necessarily hackers, but it was more pranksters on the IRC forums. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, uh, they created tools. Um, Netbus and Sub7 was the one that I got, you know, caught with. Um, so it became a, uh, a motive of mine to prevent that in the future. So that started early on with me um, in the IRC forums, trying to prevent people from getting into my computer. And so I'd say it was uh security for me at least at that time you know career wasn't even an option you know I, I never even heard of you know security as a an option or a career back then um it was more of uh, uh internet survival in the irc forums for me <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah so from there uh, uh i did go on to college um graduated kent state university in ohio um uh they they had one they started their first information security class back when I was there and it was the first one ever there was no degrees or anything like that it was just a high level information security class um, I did take that I, I I had interest but I wasn't 100 percent sure you know there was a career path in that field so 
after college, I went on to uh, networking. So I got a lot of technical experience, uh, hands-on networking at an amusement park, uh, Geauga Lake in uh, Aurora, Ohio. It's since closed, but um, uh, that was laying, you know, cables and digging ditches and, you know, plugging in switches and routers and doing all the hands-on technical stuff. Um, and then uh, uh, went on to Florida for a master's degree, um, uh, MBA. I was focused on that. Um, got a job at a Fortune 100 company in Miami um, and uh, working their network operations center. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where I got involved a little bit with compliance. So uh, I worked in the NOC for a little bit and I switched over to security administration. So I was managing their, you know, their active directory um, system. I was managing their uh, ERP system, users getting access to their system. So um, I was exposed to compliance at that time. So Sarbanes-Oxley was a big one for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, after that, moved on, became a security analyst uh, at a bank. And as you know, uh, bank has quite a bit of uh, compliance requirements and regulations. You have just to a Just a little bit, yeah. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are, you know, redundant and, uh, you know, but you have to uh, achieve those objectives. So um, learned more about compliance and banking for sure, because you have to. Um, from there, I did some security consulting, security analyst work, um, and then I moved on to uh, Broward College as their uh, chief information security officer. Uh, started that program. Um, uh, it was a new information security program, so I got to start that and learn as I, you know, learn as I went uh, all the mistakes and uh, you know all the hurdles along and trying to create a uh, information security program at a large college. Um, so yeah, and then after that, I decided. Uh, let me go ahead and start a consulting company. And it really was uh, just myself. Um, I wanted to do solo consulting, uh, started the LLC, um, started doing a lot of contract work for various organizations, a lot of partners and IBM and uh, did a lot of really cool projects uh, in security engineering. Um, and then I uh, kind of just grew from there. I had customers that wanted extra things and started providing extra services so yep that's how i got that, my start <laughs> that, that seems like quite a jump from like did you just suddenly wake up one day and say you know i think i want to do this on my own <laughs> or 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 was there like a yeah. um, some sort of like a, a trigger or you know so there was um it, i started getting really proficient in some security tools um and I really, really enjoyed those security tools enough to where I said, well, you know, I could probably, you know, do this, um, you know, as a consultant. Um, and then I also, at the same time, uh, you know, hands-on security work with the tools. I also wanted to do uh, basically CISO work for small, medium-sized businesses. Um, so I started working in, on that front as well. But I, don't, I would say it was more, um, you know, I really enjoyed uh, the security tools I was working with at the time. And uh, that pushed me into consulting. So, yeah. So um, a couple of things that are coming to mind. The first one, I've been debating whether or not I was going to say it as you were doing your story, but talking about like past history and pranking and all that. Um, so I came up through uh, security in the, in the networking side and uh, working as a part-time and uh, student assistant at the University of Buffalo when I was there as an undergrad. 
And um, it was a few years before before uh, you. I'm, I'm a couple of years older. And uh, uh, so uh, Internet was re- relatively new. Networking was relatively new. And um, graphic terminals were relatively new. We had uh, those of us who were um, really uh, kind of like more on the geek side were, were using X terms. And there's a feature within X terms. And it, I don't think it's as easy to exploit now, but it's very easy to exploit then where you could just throw up a picture on somebody's screen. So it was kind of fun yeah. to throw up random pictures on someone's screen <laughs> while they were having a meeting with somebody that you know was high up. But um, I know you mentioned tools. Um, I think yeah. I know the answer to this, but uh, mm-hmm. like, like when you say tools, like what is one of your more favorite tools? Um, so I do a lot of network access control engagements, NAC engagements. Um, at that time, uh, uh, IBM's Q radar was a big focus of mine as well. So SIM tools, um, you mm-hmm. know, configuring those. Um, in fact, I left the college and went on um, to build the uh, SOC program for the state of Ohio. Um, and it was, you know, primarily tool driven, um, a lot of SIM work, um, you know, custom rule creation and things like that. And we had a, a very large SOC team and we consolidated basically all the state agencies. So that was a, a pretty fun project, but I'd say SIM uh, network access control. Um, those were my specialties at that time. Um, I've since, you know, grown outside of that, but um, I still say I do quite a bit of NAC projects still today. So, yep. You know, and NAC is really one of my favorite uh, tools from back in the day as well at um, one of the places I worked at, Middle Tennessee State. Um, I I have some of the uh, same background as far as uh, um, being in higher ed. And uh, uh, we implemented our first NAC tool. It was called Perfigo at the time. And then Cisco bought it. It was clean access. And Uh, that was a very, very, very quick road to being one of the more despised people on campus for a bit, because suddenly (laughs) folks that were like so used to like going out to Napster and getting their stuff, it's like they got this this block and they didn't have the agent on there and they had these policies and all that. So uh, always been been a good NAC fan. And that kind of leads into um, where I wanted to go next. I know you work a lot with small and mid-sized businesses and you've seen a lot and you, 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 of course, network access control is one way to mitigate um, bad things from happening, but what would you see as maybe the highest or a very significant threat to small and mid-sized businesses now? Okay. Um, you know, I always think about this, uh, and I still go back to, um, you know, as far as threats go, uh, you know, social engineering still comes top of mind only because a lot of the small, medium-sized businesses, you know, they don't have uh, the expertise in-house a lot of times, um, you know, to educate them or, you know, they don't, ha- they don't know that they have to go through training or their employees may not be even interested. And, um, so I'd say, you know, social engineering, phishing attacks, uh, primarily, um, we've dealt with a, you know, a few incidents recently, um, you know, and some of these, it's just, you know, some of it, it's not a sophisticated attacker. It's not a sophisticated hacker, uh, someone that's studied hacking for, you know, most of their life. Um, these are very simple attack methods. So anyone can create a phishing email these days. Um, you know, there's solutions out there. There's programs out there in Cali. You can do it in less than five minutes. So mm-hmm. um, I would say, yeah, phishing, um, social engineering attacks in general. So like I said, we had an incident recently of a fraud case and that wasn't necessarily a hacking case, but it started with phishing where, you know, the, uh, the fraudster masqueraded as um, uh, a vendor of the organization. 
Um, and they requested a, an ACH change, you know, and they're banking. Uh, yeah. There you go. There you and go. It, Once, it was that's such, almost a red flag right there. If you get that in an email, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's such, you know, it was a very simple attack. They just changed the domain name and made it look like the vendor. And of course the organization sent off the ACH payment, uh, an invoice of, I think it was over 200,000. And that, that impacts an organization tremendously, especially for a small, medium size. Luckily this one, um, you know, they could afford it. And I think they had some insurance options, but um, yeah, so that, that can really hurt an organization and it doesn't take much technical skill to do it. So I always say, yeah, social engineering, phishing, um, usually the top of my list. And then, uh, you know, the mitigation method is proper training and having folks um, in the know on the team, if you can. Yeah. I definitely agree with phishing. And I, and I know that I'm a big proponent of testing and testing um, uh, frequently to help build that muscle memory. And a lot of the programs out there, you can uh, use different topics and different uh, difficulties and all that. But I'm wondering, um, and I'm thinking about an example that was on social media this week. Um, I'm wondering if there's if there's sort of a boundary that we shouldn't cross. There's, and and the post that I'm thinking about, and you may have seen it, where this this poster said that they were um, sucked into a fish, which was basically looked like it came from their company HR, and it was for a thirty dollar gas card. And a lot of the oh, yeah. reaction on there was that's really going too far playing with people's minds in this sort of an environment. But on the flip side, you can make the argument that that's what the bad guys are going to do exactly what they're going to do. And before you answer, I may have the rather unpopular answer of saying, I kind of lean towards doing that type of fishing and, and maybe, maybe not having them have to do training afterwards and maybe actually giving them the gas card or something or another. But I don't think that we should necessarily eliminate um, or call out things uh, for the most part. There will always be exceptions. But mm -hmm. curious about your opinion on that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a necessity to yeah, help folks learn about the most common methods because they will, um, it, it will happen eventually. You know, it's at some point they're going to get that, you know, I've seen that exact scenario you just referenced many times and um, people always fall for it. Um, you know, it always comes from an executive and they say they need something now. And, um, it, it just, it's very frequent. It happens often. I think, um, yeah, training for is probably the best answer. Yeah. So you, you work a lot with uh, small mid-sized businesses that, um, are looking for your advisory services. Um, what is typically a motivator for them and what helps them be successful in, in engaging with your services? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, a lot of folks will come you know, for services and this gets back to the, the reward too, of, you know, working with small and medium sized companies is that, you know, they'll, they'll come, they'll have a, a compliance initiative or, you know, a vendor is doing a risk assessment on them. Uh, you know, and they need assistance to either get through the compliance objective or the risk assessment. Um, and us as practitioners, you know, helping them get through that, uh, you know, is very rewarding. And it also leads to, um, you know, an increase in the bottom line for them, you know, and, uh, you know, we can see our work, um, you know, played out in a way that, you know, the business continues to operate um, and, uh, you know, they're securing information in the process. So. Okay. And um, do you, do you sometimes see then that uh, 
the compliance initiative is sort of a gateway to building programs there? Yeah, I I do. Um, usually, it, that is the catalyst to grow the information security program. If uh, you know the organization isn't already um, you know knowledgeable about you know the information security objectives, um, compliance, and yeah, general vendor uh, vendors requesting it or or customers requesting it. Um, that's typically what I see. Yeah. Yep. And as far as small and mid-sized businesses, obviously, if there's this relationship going on, that there's something that that you would hope to expect from them as far as the relationship. What, uh, just from a very high level, what in your eyes makes a relationship with a small and mid-sized business successful from their side? Um, I think from their side, uh, that relationship um, in my mind anyway, uh, you know, they want to see, well, number one, uh, that it's cost effective. So I think that's very important. Um, and I think, you know, the virtual CISO space, uh, as you know, um, it's a cost effective method for them, you know, to create a program. Um, so number one, that you're thinking about the cost of the program. So information security programs can be extremely expensive with tools and resources. Um, so at least in my mind, yeah, cost is one factor, but also that you're delivering on your objective. So whether it's compliance objective or, you know, risk initiative, um, you know, that you're able to achieve what it is they're looking for. And certainly they, they have to play a part in this as well, right? Oh yeah. As far oh, yeah. as communication and all that, they, they shouldn't expect that. Hey, I, I, I contract with a MSP or a VC. So, and then, then, Hey, my security stuff is all solved. I don't have to do anything. That doesn't work that way. Too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think that's the, the, the trouble. Yeah. Sometimes in another thing is, you know, we don't want to be looked at as causing them more, work you know sometimes they're yeah. really busy and they're tied down and it's like well um you know we're not trying to cause you more work this is going to help in the long run and sometimes it actually saves work in the long run so um yeah it, it has to be a uh you know a top-down approach um and everyone you know in the organization should be on board with helping in some way uh but yeah sometimes it is uh you know almost entirely on the CISO, uh, especially for small organizations and that becomes uh, a little more difficult, so a little more challenging, I'd say. So, and and to that point, information security uh, is certainly a very, very challenging field and, and very stressful field. And you kind of got the double whammy going because you're running your own business as well, too, and providing those services to many clients around the country. Um, what is one major thing that you do to help decompress, to deal with stress? Because you can't hold it all in. Or maybe yeah. you can, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're right. So um, I'd say maybe in the last few years, and I probably have mentioned this to you in the past too, that uh, I started playing tennis again uh, a little more regularly. I try to get, you know, tennis in at least once a week. So exercise is good um, if I can twice a week um, and hopefully more in the future. But, uh, you know, so tennis is one way that I decompress. Um, I'd say another way is... Uh, you know, spending time with the family. I have a wife and uh, two kids. Um, we, on the weekends, we'll usually go to a park, we'll hike, uh, you know, Columbus, we were in Columbus, Ohio. Um, there's a lot of great metro parks here. So uh, we spend time with the metro parks and just spending time in nature is a, a good stress reliever, I guess. Yep. 
Absolutely. I'm a big, big fan of that. And also a big fan, as you know, of uh, exercising and uh, getting that blood flowing at least once a day, just do something, get up and walk around the block. Sometimes I used to, I used to take like 15, 20 minute little walkabouts, I guess that they call them in Australia. I'd walk about outside. (laughs) So um, what, are some of your future plans uh, continue to grow the business um mm-hmm. retire early uh, change careers become uh, like a kmart or walmart what are your plans <laughs> i can always joke around with my wife about that like someday i'm just gonna work at home depot over here and you know it'll be a lot less stressful at least i imagine it to be anyway um so for me i think uh yeah future is uh, business growth i think I, i'll have trouble doing that as you know i do a lot of hands-on uh work engagements. Um, so I think transitioning more for from operational to, you know, business management will be a transition in the next couple of years. Um, not right away, but over time, uh, that's kind of where I'm headed. And um, yeah, just continue growth. Sounds good to me. So the website, I was just trying to bring it up. I didn't bring it up, but I think it's easy to remember cybersecurityservices.com. Yeah, cybersecurity. Yep, cybersecurityservices.com. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> looking for uh, an MSP that deals with small and mid-sized businesses, looking for quality virtual CISO services, contact Matt over at Cybersecurity Services. I'm assuming that the contact information is on the website, which I could not bring up right now at the second. Yeah. Um, if not, uh, just let me know or let him know. Um, certainly, we'll have that web page uh, in the show notes as well. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a very interesting and, and really rewarding conversation. And again, like I said, I, I know I've worked with you many times in the past, and I appreciate that working relationship. Certainly, I've learned a lot from you, and um, I'm sure that our, our listeners, our watchers have learned a lot as well, too. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And I've learned uh, quite a bit from you as well. And I also want to say thank you for your service. I don't know if uh, your listeners know, I'm sure they might, but uh, Greg is a veteran, and I want to say thank you for your service, and thank you for having me. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Everybody else, uh, stay secure. Take care.